everybody welcome back to fighting for justice happy friday it's josh it's david it's jj and today we have a very very special guest the republican candidate for district attorney in chester county has agreed to take time out of his immensely busy schedule to come and join us on the podcast today to get his message out and why people should turn out in november to cast their vote for Mr. Ryan Hyde. Ryan, how you doing? Doing very well. Thank you, Josh. Ryan, I, and I also going? should have said, I also should have said, appearing live straight from the courthouse because you were literally just in court to this morning. Is that right? I was. I uh, was in three, four courtrooms this morning doing different cases. And this was obviously in Westchester, right? Yeah, I think uh, most of most of the criminal defense practice and most of the work we do in personal injury is in and around the Westchester area. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons um, I see a lot of the district attorneys. I, I know the problems that they're having right, right now, and that's one of the reasons I had discussed running for district attorney about a year ago. Yeah, so just so everybody knows, I've known Ryan since, I mean, Ryan and I were actually district attorneys, prosecutors, ADAs together in Bucks County. I was there uh, from 2008 till about 2012. Ryan was there during my time as well. That's where we got to know each other. Um, so I consider Ryan a close friend. We've known, again, our, our, we know each other. Our families have known each other for quite some time. So uh, I'm very excited about what's going on, about Ryan's candidacy right now. So Without further ado, Ryan, we brought you on. Uh, I know you got into it a little bit right there, but can you tell us and the, and the viewers, most importantly, uh, why you have decided to run for the district attorney's position in November 2023? Well, and, I, and it's funny that you brought up family. Uh, I think that's realistically the reason uh, I think it's important that I run at this time is, uh, as you know, I have a daughter. Um, and I don't like the way the crime in Chester County has been developing and expanding over the last few years. Um, specifically, I think there's a, a large city way of handling crime that uh, going all the way back to Ronald Reagan when he said we should resist the urge to find society guilty every time somebody commits a crime. I think you're seeing that in Philadelphia. I think you're seeing that in Wilmington, where you're having large amounts of violent crime and organized crime that's now starting to leach out into the counties. Um, and so I look at that and I thought, you know, I think that's a lot related to the current leadership uh, in Westchester in terms of how the district attorney handles cases and how she treats attorneys. Um, and frankly, that's why so many of her people have left in the last couple of years. So. Uh, I want to go back to the days where people were afraid to come to Chester County and commit violent crimes. Uh, I want to be able to go to say that we prosecute drug dealers to the full extent of the law, because frankly, when my daughter grows up and goes to high school, I don't want her to have to be dealing with the same problems we're dealing with today. So can you tell us, um, can you go give us a little bit of your background, your background as an attorney um, and just coming to it, like take us from when you at least when you and I met, when we were, were we were county, we were um, prosecutors in Bucks County together. But can you tell the listeners and the viewers um, a little bit about your your background as an attorney in Pennsylvania? Well, I think um, 
it's important to know too that I have a lot of management uh, experience because I didn't come directly from college to law school. Uh, I worked in the uh, pharmaceutical industry for about 10 years before I went to law school. Uh, I also got my MBA, uh, my master's of business administration and degrees in accounting and finance. So I have that well-balanced background that I bring. Uh, in terms of my attorney career, um, after I graduated from Villanova, I was working for a uh, a franchise law firm downtown that specialized in federal FTC type litigation. Um, it was not the work I wanted to do. Um, I, I really wanted to be in a courtroom. I really wanted to help people. Uh, I think that's where I'm best positioned. So that's once I left that firm, uh, I came out to Bucks County. Um, I worked with you, Josh. Uh, what, I, I started out as a narcotics district attorney, did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then I transitioned when I made deputy into the economic crimes division and special prosecutions. So a lot of the work I was doing were financial crimes in excess of a million dollars, um, processing or excuse me, prosecuting high level, um, when I say pol political party people or, you know, celebrities, or, I mean, my mantra has always been your political party should not determine whether or not you're prosecuted. Um, and your, your celebrity status, uh, as I told, uh, Dave Heckler, when he worked, when we worked for him, the only idea is if they broke the law, they should be prosecuted. So I, I think that's kind of was my feeling. And obviously I got to, uh, do a lot of work in arson. I tried some of the first um, homicide by vehicle cases after they changed the law on that. Uh, I, I was, I, I think if you talk to the officers, they would tell you I was a very aggressive prosecutor. Um, and then I reached a point where it was time to move along. And I went out and I started my, I, well, I went to work with a firm in Westchester and just realized that there was a better way to run a firm um, so I started my own. I've been working as a criminal defense attorney in and around Westchester for about 10 years. So I have a question, Ryan, since um, I know you probably the majority of your criminal defense uh, career. And I'm that's what I think I am intrigued the most about as you as a candidate. How would you say being a criminal defense lawyer has shaped, you know, just you as a person? And how does that, you know, make you a better D.A. or does it is a good question. Well, I, here's the thing. I, I think I'm a better prosecutor now than when I was actually a prosecutor, because one of the things as a prosecutor, you get into a group think. So when I look at an information or I look at an indictment, I pick it apart. Like that's my job now is to pick it apart, to find the loopholes. When I when I'm prosecuting a case, I didn't necessarily look at it that way. So it's really opened my idea my eyes how to make a better criminal complaint, essentially, with the recipe for a great criminal complaint or indictment. Um, and you can really target those mis not necessarily mistakes, but, you know, officers have an incredibly hard job to do. Um, and when I, I see them every day and we talk about things and the idea that you can help them by knowing what the defense is going to argue. Um, sure. And I know I've, I've worked with uh, the attorneys in your firm on a number of occasions with the idea of spitballing cases. I know it's a, it, the idea is it, it helps to have somebody who's looking over your shoulder, who knows what they're doing, not necessarily because you don't know the answer, but because it's a creative business that we're in. Um, prosecutions should be airtight. Like if you're willing to go forward to try to take somebody's freedom away, it, it for darn sure should be done right. And I think being a criminal defense attorney has really showed me how to attack that. And I think that's something I can help their office with. Um, and secondly, it's really taught me compassion. And I know that sounds weird, but not every person who's charged with a crime is a criminal. 
Um, a lot of people have addiction issues. Um, a lot of you just got you just got issues. JJ's vote. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I think, and I think you have to really step away from the office. Uh, when I say the office, I mean the DA's office to realize that they're humans. Um, and I, I recall one time when I was a district attorney, uh, an attorney got under my skin, and I said something about you know I'm going to put I'm going to put your kid in jail. And, you know, I just saw the kid's face break and he started sobbing and ran out of the courtroom. And I'm like, you know, it's that kind of reaction every day, because, again, mm-hmm. I, I have represented monsters. And, and I tell my daughter, the scariest thing in my house is me. And I said, you know, monsters are real, but they're not here, you know, um, and when you're a district attorney, that's the most important thing you do is you protect the community from the true monsters out there. Yeah, and. I mean, I can appreciate that answer. You know, we've said it on this podcast a lot um, as criminal defense lawyers, and I'm sure you've experienced it, but we always get the kind of, how can you represent somebody like this? How can you defend somebody like this? And my response generally is, listen, if the district attorney does their job correctly and they actually have the case and it's it's a great case, I don't have a defense, right? There's nothing I can do and there's no reason to hate me. The only time we get mad is when we see cases, just like you're saying, where there's holes, where work wasn't done correctly, or maybe the case shouldn't have been brought. So I, I, I appreciate your answer. (laughs) I think that's important because, um, we're not endorsing the actions of our clients. Um, there's a second half of that story. I tell my daughter, cause she asks me, am I afraid of anything? And I'm absolutely, I'm terrified of unchecked, unchecked governmental power. Um, Mm -hmm. the government has the ability to take your freedom away and that's terrifying. So you need good people on both sides to make this work. And, and importantly, one of the things that you know I see in the courthouse every day is DAs struggling to get people discovery on time and things like that. And it's impossible for me to do my job, which isn't necessarily to win on a technicality or get a guilty person off. It's to make sure the government does its job. And if they're not doing their job, that's a real problem because people are going to jail. Like that's that's nothing to joke about. Um, and again, that's why I'm passionate for this to, to go for this job. The best job I ever had was working in the DA's office because there's that air of camaraderie. There's that air of being in the bunker together. But the most difficult job has been being a defense attorney because you have to live with the results. Um, and I tell clients all the time, it's, it's not me that has to go to jail, you know, but I feel that. You know, when you when you lose a trial or you know something like that, and I, I've, I've had two murder trials in the last couple of years where it's like, there's a lot of pressure because he's not coming home ever if we lose. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if he and did I mean, what he was accused of. <clears throat> right. Then, then, Sorry. then the system should move. No, no, no you're okay. good. I, I wanted to jump in. I, I'll, I'll say um, just honestly, man, how I feel is that I would never vote for a district attorney who has not been a defense attorney at some point. Why? Because I think it is hard to actually understand compassion, right? It's easy to hate all the criminals all the time. It's easy to always run on being tough on crime, and it's easy to punish someone even even when you, especially when you think you have all the evidence against that person. That is the easiest time to cast judgment and to say they're bad and to you know throw all kinds of things on a person. And a lot of times district attorneys get lost in the competition of winning and lose sight that we're what we're actually gambling with is human life. 
So the game, we've turned a human life into a video game between us. And we play stupid little games about, you know, can I hide the discovery or, well, it's not mandatory that I turn this over. What, what in, uh, you know, what have you learned from being a, a defense attorney that you can take into being a district attorney and say, listen, we're not going to play this game because it's not actually a game. What we're looking for, we should be working together to look and see, you know what, what actually happened here? We shouldn't be hiding things. How can you stop that from happening? Because it's happening now. I think one of the things, if you've known me at all throughout my career, um, I, I strictly adhere to my ethical, my, my ethical guidelines. The idea is, even as a district attorney, like, here's my file. Like, you want anything in it, you take a look at it. Um, because, look, I understood as a district attorney, and I respected attorneys that tried cases, because sometimes we can't come to an agreement. So sometimes you should be trying that case. Uh, and I always swore to myself when I left the, left the DA's office and started doing criminal defense that I would never be that defense attorney that's yelling in the hallway for his client to take a deal. It's, it's not my life. You know, it's their decision. Um, I think... Chester County is in a unique position um, because, frankly, a lot of a lot of technology, um, we always think technology makes things better. But realistically, it, it adds a level of complexity to everything that we do. Um, body cams. So there's tons of data that's being stored and handled. And uh, my personal pet peeve is that the, the state police oftentimes don't send MVRs. Um, and I've had at least three cases where the MVR was destroyed. But the idea is that that's the most important part is getting the discovery and, and making it a clean process and then getting it to the defense attorneys. Uh, and I think I, I was in a courtroom today where a district attorney was saying, I, I simply don't have it. He's like, I, I can't get it. And that has to stop. <laughs> so right. I, I realistically and I think that sometimes is because. The environment in our, in our country is I've never been alive at a time like this, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit older, but not, you know, the oldest person in the world. I've never been in a point where the police have been so vilified. And I think you have a relationship. No, I don't issue think any of us have. Sometimes. It's weird. I was about to say, we, we, we get sidetracked. But I think this is a, of this is just the police have a long track history and now we have more cameras. Listen, the police have never really as a general whole. The police can't be trusted, but there are millions and millions of individuals within them that are really good. But their name as a whole, I agree, is taking a massive hit. And I, and I think that that the, the reason I go to that is because as a district attorney, you're the chief law enforcement officer. So it's your job to back them, to, to support them, not not mm -hmm. the bad ones, not the bad ones. Right. And, and our right. job is to destroy the bad ones so that the good ones can do their job. Um, and I think you're seeing you're seeing an erosion of that with the current regime. And that's part of the that? reason, again, I, I want to go back that? to the days. What's that? How do you do that? How do you do exactly what you what you were talking Listen. about? What are the steps that you take to fix that? You're absolutely right. So how do you you know, in Chester County specifically, you know, what can you do to fix the relation between the police and the community? The first thing you have to do is listen. Uh, and I think sometimes the Republican Party has been guilty of not being particularly good at that. Um, and, and one of the things that I do, and, and, and JJ, I've been in court with you a number of times, you know, you do it as well. I mean, we listen. We listen to what the officers are saying. We listen to what the clients are saying. We listen to what the community says. You shouldn't. 
uh, 201 West Market Street shouldn't be an ivory tower that can't be approached by people. You have to listen to what the people need and want. Um, and the other thing is when when you find a police officer who's not adhering to what he's supposed to be doing, he should be crushed. Like they should be removed. And and any good officer will tell you that. Like they, I, I was in a fraternity when I was in college. This is, you know, the dark age is a long time ago. Um, and 10% of that population causes all the trouble, gets all the news, gets everything. The vast majority of them are good people. And I think when you talk to police officers, the vast majority of police officers are just trying to do an impossible job as safely and, and, and honestly as they can. But again, who gets the newspapers? The, the officers, uh, Brandon Stewart, you know, the officer, my, uh, Michael Floyd, like all those cases get the news. But and, and look, you can't endorse that kind of behavior. Like in those cases, mistakes were made and, and lives were lost. Like I mean, it, it's is, not it's not a joke. I mean, I believe that attacking police as a whole, right, and trying to clean them up as a whole is a lost cause. They have too long of a history, in my opinion, to try and clean up the word police. Anytime you bring it up, the name is gone. It is un, it's unsalvageable, in my opinion. I think something that you probably in my opinion, like kind of where you need in the pockets and the, in the urban pockets to take it away. Like, Hey, this is just Chester County, right? We aren't police generally like this is our community. And I think one thing that uh, needs to be explained a little bit better, particularly to black people, I think is that guys, the way the system works is that actually just when the police show up, if we don't cooperate, if there are no witnesses, then the police are useless. All they actually can do is investigate. They're supposed to tell us what happened, get all the information so that they can then bring it back to us as the lawyers and we can do our job. If nobody talks to them, then nothing can move forward. So I think a, a better understanding of what kind of lays out and, you know, kind of restructuring what we need the police to do would help. I, 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 I agree and I disagree. Um, I think. The police officers that I like the best are the ones who are in the community, um, who, who know the people, um, who walk the streets. Um, and you and I both know who those guys are. Um, you know, the guys that are out there work like and those are the people that people talk to. I think this idea of, of nobody talk and then nothing happens. I think you're creating a culture again where it's us versus them. Um, and right. I and, and look. <clears throat> that's been happening for 65 years or 70 since the 1800s. There's always been an us versus them, but I think it's, it's the police job to break that down. But at the same time, it's also the elders in the community. It's also religious organizations. Like we all need to work together because let's face it, there is a drug dealing problem. I mean, people are dying almost. I mean, I'll tell you right now, they have at least two overdose deaths in the County every day. So, and if the community's protecting those people, they're not helping themselves. They're not helping their community. They're not helping their children. But I think I think you're right. I, I think policing, as it has been done traditionally in this country, um, it, it sometimes again it just focuses on the idea of let's catch people doing stuff, but mm -hmm. and not helping people. All right. Okay. So I want to swing it back, Ryan, um, to the current district attorney um, and her administration. Um, I guess my general question to you is what, you know, what do you think the biggest problems currently are with 
uh, Deb Ryan and her office. And what are you seeking to change? Right. Um, how, what are you going to bring that are actual changes to the office? I mean, that's, we that's a big question. 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I could talk for a couple hours on that. Um, I, I think, um, right now in Chester County, you have a leadership vacuum in that office. Um, and, and what that means is that it, it, I've described it as a rudderless ship. Um, there's a lot of very talented prosecutors in Chester County, um, a lot. It's a very good crew. But the problem is there's not a lot of accumulative experience because over the last two years, that office has lost almost 40 attorneys. Uh, it is a 40 attorney office, and they've lost almost the entire group of their attorneys. So you have a lot of young, inexperienced attorneys, and you don't have a lot of institutional knowledge. So what they've tried to do is go out and acquire institutional knowledge from other counties. Some good, some bad. Um, but the idea is the first thing that needs to happen is, again, I, so much of what I say seems so, so complicated and harsh, but really it's about listening. It's about putting people in the position to succeed. A youngish attorney who's only been out of law school for a couple of years, I, they may be the best attorney in the world, but they shouldn't be handling homicides. You know, everybody knows that. That makes common sense. But you're throwing people to the wolves. So. The other system, the other idea is a young attorney that can do more than preliminary hearings. Like they can do more than just they can do trials. Um, I think there's a lot of situations, and, and I've heard this from the DAs who have left the office. Um, they've frankly told me there's no training. They don't get any training. They get thrown into a courtroom. Sometimes they have somebody to help them. Sometimes not. They they get very limited praise when they do good. They get crushed if they do bad. So you've created this atmosphere where it's just an unpleasant place to work. And let's be honest. You don't get paid much as a DA. So um, obviously, nope. having done management work with Maslow's hierarchy, the idea is you got to make enough to eat. But making enough to eat, you know, isn't the most powerful mo motivator. The most powerful motivator is self-effectuation. It's ego. It's, you know what, going out and speaking to a group of kids about technology. Like we have experts that have been working in Chester County, but they're like not they're not encouraged to go out and speak like again. We need to be helping to bridge the gap in the community. You know, we're the guys in suits. And that's what people right out. I used to love going to events to talk to people about how to protect themselves from crimes. I used to love that. It was one of the best parts of what I did. I used to speak at national law enforcement symposiums about various economic crimes. Like the idea is getting out there and getting yourself established and feeling proud of what you do is the most important part of that job. Because frankly, you're never going to get rich being a DA. Um, but you can do a lot of good and you can touch a lot of lives. And we really need to focus on that. And, and you, from day one, everybody asks me, what's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to listen. Like, I'm going to listen. I want to hear what people have to say. The people that have been in the trenches are the ones who know how to fix this better than anybody. I can tell you I have all these high-minded ideas of changing the chairs and, and moving people into different positions. But the reality of the situation is that may not be necessary. It may just be a subtle tweak, tweak here and there. Like it may be that there's only three people in that office that are capable of handling discovery. That's not okay. Like I don't know any county where there's only three right. people that do discovery. Like there's little things like that where you can take people that are in a position to fail and they're left there and you can take it. And with the smallest actions, you can make everybody's job a little bit better. And let me, let me, let me follow that up with one of my own is a pet peeve of mine is that it, from the time you start the system as at the preliminary hearing and you're dealing with baby DAs, sometimes even interns, um, 
like, what are you going to do to empower these people? Because my problem is you're, you're now, somebody's paid me, somebody's life is on the line. Here I am to do my job. I'm up against somebody who has never passed a bar exam and I am spitting things at them faster than they can regurgitate. And then we're playing a game of phone tag because they have no power to do anything. They have to call their boss who has to call their boss. It has to get a continuance. We are <laughs> wasting time and money. What are you going to do to empower, you know, those district attorneys that can make their own decisions and not have to always run things up a ladder? If you can't do things without your boss, then why are you here? You, you, you're answering your own question. Um, what am I going to do? You have to empower those yes. attorneys to make. Uh, and I think that starts that starts at hiring. You know, when you hire people who are competent, they need training. You train them the right way and then you unleash them and you say, look, this is what these are the acceptable offers. Like these are what you should be doing. Everybody knows there are certain kinds of cases that get certain results and you don't need to call a supervisor Absolutely. to get that approval. Like if it's an ag assault or an attempted homicide, well, first of all, an intern shouldn't be handling that case. Um, and they, they should have had somebody more senior than them look at it. Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff needs to be weeded out. But again, it goes at the very core. If you're hiring the right people and you're training them the right way, then you should be willing to turn them loose. And if you're not willing to turn them loose, then why are they in the office? Because frankly, even with train. To do a preliminary hearing? How long do you think it takes take to train a good, no, to train a good, you know, from, hey, you're out of law school to, okay, you're ready to, like, handle a preliminary hearing? How long they come into Ryan uh, Hyde's district attorney's office? You know, what's your training look like? I mean. How long there, until you release them? The the easiest part is the the initial, like, just putting them up on the law. Like, if you're hiring the right people, they're up on the law. Um and then you're looking at probably two weeks, um, you know, practice hearings, um, making sure that they're capable. But, but again, if you're hiring the right people, like those problems don't exist. Like if you're hiring a kid that's afraid of trying a case, what are you doing? Like this whole entire right. job is about trying cases. So if you're hiring a kid that's right. too scared to go into a courtroom, like, I mean, I've had DAs, I've worked with DAs that every case at a preliminary hearing is a hearing. I mean, it's either you wave it straight, wave it, or it's a hearing, you know, that doesn't work, mm. you know? So you want, you don't necessarily want those people, but you do want people that are not afraid to do that. I mean, I've had days like that when I was sure. a prosecutor where I said, nobody's getting anything today. Everybody buckle up, you know, <laughs> it's not the right thing to do, but at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, you gotta be willing to go out there and show that you're not afraid. Um, sure. and, and I think that's, again, if you're hiring the right people, training someone to do a preliminary hearing isn't rocket science. You know, you got to know the law. You got to know how to work something out, what you're allowed to do. Um, and right. Montgomery County does a good job with this because when they send out younger DAs, they review it with a more senior DA, DA before they even go out. Um, so the idea is if I, if I hire somebody and I'm not willing to put them into the arena, then, and then I made a mistake and I have to admit that mistake. And, and that's some, what you're talking about, because if you're out there wearing the Chester County district attorney's office on, you know, on your chest, and you should be somebody that's capable of doing what you're doing. And I think you're seeing how that's been developing recently in Chester County, because people aren't put in positions where they can be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, if, and I, Ryan, I want to follow up on that because you and I 
you guys, you and I both work for for David Heckler in Bucks County, and he used to say, "I'm only going to hire people that I'm comfortable with with them wearing my picture on their shirt." Um, mm-hmm. So it is. It's all. It's all. You got to hire the right. You got to hire the right people for the job. Um, number one, and I think that's the number one uh, fix to make at any district attorney's office. Is are the right people getting through? Are the right people getting through to the positions where they need to be? Um, yep. My question is more. Uh, you mentioned there's 40, it's supposed to be staffed with 40 attorneys. And, and I don't know what the support staff numbers are. But again, having you and I have both worked in a district attorney's office before. Do you think the Chester County's office, DA's office as it stands now is staffed appropriately? Well, no, because they're losing people every day. Um, another attorney right. quit last week. Um, I think the, the problem is in a district attorney's office. Can 40, there, let I, me just, let me just. Can 40 attorneys do the job? Can four, is 40 attorneys yes. enough to do the job? Do you, do you think? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I don't, I don't think if, the office needs to expand at this, at this point. Now that's contingent on crime levels staying roughly what they are, which um, we're seeing about a 10% increase in charged crimes in Chester County. If you talk to the clerk of courts this year. So, you know, obviously if the crime, as the crime levels go up, then you would need more manpower. But right now I believe the too many people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that, and that, again, we go back to a lot of these issues are interrelated, uh, JJ. Like the idea is if you're charging the right people and you're, you're doing the right thing with those cases, um, I, I, look, I'm never going to support drug dealers. Like I think drug dealers belong in jail, you know, uh, but there's different levels of drug dealers. There's the, the kid who, you know, shares a joint with his neighbor, which I don't necessarily need to throw the book at that guy. But if you're moving weight and drugs into Chester County, God help you if I'm elected DA. Because I don't want it here. I don't want Trank in Chester County. I don't want fentanyl in Chester County. I want my kid to grow up that I can go let her go down to the park and play. Like what's going on in Kerr Park right now with the fight clubs and, and the kids running around heckling adults and attacking kids. Like the, the problem is I, I hear what you're saying, but at a certain point we have to say no more. We're done with it. Um, and do we have the, does the office staff to do that? Look, if they could keep the attorneys that they have, they'd be fine. But the problem is they can't keep them right now. Um, they've lost almost, I think, 32 attorneys in the last two and a half years, somebody told me. So you've lost all that institutional so, knowledge. So how do you fix, I guess, the, the, how, so how's that, how does that get fixed? How do you culture. keep the right people? Because culture, yep. Yep. it's, it's yeah. all about, yeah, it's yeah. all about making people like what they're doing, the the great times, Josh, you and you and I worked in an office together. And I and part of the reason I loved doing what I did was there was attorneys in that office that we could always spitball cases. We always had lunch together. Um, everybody went to everybody's verdicts. It was a team like we were yep. in the foxhole together. I don't think you have that in Chester County. Part of it's the way that the office is structured with each people having their own little individual fiefdoms. Um, you know, part of it's because they can't keep people more than a year. So the idea is you you have to change the culture of that office to be successful. Uh, and, and I think, like I said, I, I think it's been a rudderless ship. And I think that's why a lot of people left. And some of the reasons people I mean, again, I've talked to every attorney that's left and it's not always about the money. A lot of times it's like I just don't feel appreciated. Or I feel like I, I'm getting killed for doing what I'm supposed to. Or I have too much work and not enough help. Or I wasn't trained to do this. It's a culture problem first. And that's what I when I answered the earlier question about what do you do day one? Listen. You know, they're all attorneys. They'll tell you what they need. Yep. Right. So the, so the one, and you kind of answered this, but I guess the one follow-up I had is, 
are more people leaving? Is it harder for the district attorney to keep talented prosecutors right now? Is it harder for them to do that because of the salary constraints or because it's just it, it's a place where people, talented people are leaving because they just can't deal with the culture? What do you or is, what do you think? You can't separate the problem like that. You just can't. Because here's the thing. If you're paying somebody less money than they're worth on the market, you have to have the right culture. So if I told you I could pay every district attorney $100,000, I'd have them knocking down my door. Mm -hmm. But I can't. And there's just not enough money to do that. So you know going into it, you're going to make a certain amount of money. So if I could get them more money, I'd keep them longer. Sure. But when you don't have the money to give them, you've got to have the right culture. Otherwise, they're not going to stick around. They're going to say, look, I can go get twice what I'm making right now from some insurance defense firm where all I have to do is sit on my couch and answer the phone three times a day. You know, why wouldn't you do that job? You know, it's going to pay you more money. It's going to be awful. I mean, I, I've done commercial law. I, I did not like it. But, you know, the idea was that you don't get to work with people. You don't get to work in a courtroom, but you get paid good. So you, you can't separate the two <laughs> issues. If you have the right culture, the pay isn't as big of a problem. Well, I think I think the the way that and and you're you're absolutely right. You hit it on the head. For me, when I was at the public defender's office, the thing that kept me there, and I could be I could be there and be content to this day because of the culture of the public, the, like the the camaraderie, the friends that that was what made those long nights worth it. We were it felt like we were all in it together, much like sports mm-hmm. teams talk about like. We practice for hours and hours in order to go to court. So, like, I agree that whoever we, you know, uh, whoever is the next district attorney, they need to worry about the culture and how do they run their office more inside. Like, I, I would care more that the district attorney cared what his employees thought about him or her than what, like, the county thought about him or her. Well, yes and no. I mean, obviously, uh, I I am my my boss is the residents of Chester County. Of course, but there's always you have internal clients and you have external clients. Like the internal clients in my firm are me, my partner, my secretary. Like all those people are still clients of mine because I have to take care of them, and you have to care about them because once you start talking bad about people, it starts sparkling, spiraling out of control. And with the DA's office, again, people's lives. Are, are at stake. And I know it sounds like a cliche and cheesy, but when you take a man and put him in jail for 25 mm-hmm. years, that's pretty much it. That's, that's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they have to, they have to, and they have to have friends there. They have to have people that they can talk to about it because it's very emotional. Um, I've seen DAs break down in the middle of a trial and start crying because not, I don't think it was in Chester County, that one, but the pressure of the case was too much, but that's why you support each other. And, and I do care what those people think about me. Um, and, and it, because that is important because again, the best jobs I've ever had in my life. And I've had a lot of jobs cause I'm a little bit older uh, and I wasn't always an attorney. The best jobs I've had in my life were where I knew my boss listened to me and I knew my boss cared what he, I had to say. Didn't mean he always agreed with me, but he heard right. me and that's important. Right. So um, before we get into some news topics here, uh, I do have a question because you do keep bringing it up, Ryan. It seems something that you're very passionate about, uh, your position on you know drugs, drug dealing, which I wholeheartedly understand your position, um, considering it is a very big problem in you know, fentanyl, the train. Um, my 
now it's time to, I guess, get into that. And uh, I will say thank you for coming on again, on which is a much more liberal podcast than I'm sure you're used to or an audience. Uh, what I, and I'm not going down the path of saying I'm supporting drug dealers, right? I, I, I can't come up with a good argument for that. But here's what I want to ask. How can you ensure as a DA that taking a very strict stance on drug dealers, which I completely understand, doesn't trickle down to the user, right? That doesn't mean somebody that you catch on the streets who might have Trank or heroin, but it's for personal use, that what is your focus going to be on the drug user, right? Not the people selling drugs. Right now, we are getting drugs. Like, drugs don't grow in Chester County. You don't get fentanyl, like, from a farm <laughs> in Chester County, right? It's coming in from cities. It's coming in from Trenton. It's coming in from Wilmington. Uh, most of the Trank and stuff is coming from Philadelphia and Reading. Like, all of it's coming from somewhere. Like, do I, the street level dealer, to my mind, is harmful, but you got to catch the big guys. You got to stop the flow. And can you ever stop the flow? Let's be honest. You'll never stop the flow of drugs. It's nope. just, it's, it's, nope. it's too much of, it, that ship sailed 40 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. But the idea is if you make it hard enough to get, people will stop. You know, um, or they'll go someplace else. But the idea is I don't want to be like Philadelphia where we're setting up places uh, or setting up shops that people can go in and do their heroin um, and get a free needle. And I, I don't want that. Um, and I don't think anybody should. Uh, one of the programs the DA tried to implement about a year and a half, two years ago was uh, the law enforcement drug initiative. I don't know if you guys have tried to use it because the thing is they never advertised that program to defense attorneys. <clears throat> So it was a gateway that was opened by the DA to help people, which I support wholeheartedly. I, it's actually a great program. The problem is if you don't tell defense, the defense bar about it and you don't show them how to use it, you don't make them a part of the process. You know, it's it's not it's a wasted program. So how do I when you're saying when I target drug dealers like. It wouldn't trickle down because the idea here is not every case is the same. So if you're talking to me about a guy that's moving five bundles of heroin, like that's not even that much. But to me, mm -hmm. that guy is doing more damage to society than a lot of other criminals. Um, and especially since so many of them now are doing it just for the profit. Um, it used to be drug dealers would do, sell drugs to support their habit. I, I don't think that's as true as it used to be, because most of them are smart enough know, to know that half the stuff they're selling will kill you. So you see a lot of the Philadelphia drug type leaders that aren't aren't using their stock like they'll smoke marijuana. They'll do other drugs. But I mean, with heroin now and um, fentanyl being in everything, literally, I've had cases where marijuana was laced with fentanyl like they're they're putting they're putting a poison, you know, and we have to stop it. So, so but that me, doesn't jump mean locking up drug users. <laughs> well, that's. This is this is my my concern on this. I'll say is that to me it means locking up basically everybody, right? It, it sounds like it's it is a uh, tough on crime, right? Kind of tactic. I understand it. Listen, you can't have drug dealers. I I do understand uh, the point behind it. However, to just like lock them up when it's is there is there a medium? I guess is a better question, right? Because people are going to always sell drugs. It's always going to happen because people are always going to buy drugs. So mm -hmm. uh, the moment that people stop asking for the drugs, then people will stop selling them. So we know it is a battle that like, it's always going to happen. 
I don't think locking but that's up where, more and more people is going to defer anybody. Do but, you? I, I, there's, there's, there's two, I take two exceptions with what you just said. Um, the problem is drug dealers are businessmen. And I, I have actually, this has happened in Chester County where a drug dealer has given drugs to children to get them addicted. Like we talk about that, like the boogeyman in the neighborhood, but I've actually seen those cases. Um, and it, the problem is they're taking this general, and look, I'm, I, somebody asked me the other day, the same question. And I said, the, one of the saddest cases I ever had was a drug dealer up in Allentown. Um, and he was charged and eventually convicted for selling drugs. And I asked, how did you get into this? He's like, he did not have a high school education. He had fallen off the roof doing a roofing job when he was 17 years old, got himself addicted to painkillers, couldn't afford the painkillers. So he started selling drugs because he doesn't have a GED. He's not a smart man, but he's using that to support his family. The problem with that is, is the pain medications that we're using are addictive and heroin is not expensive. So mm -hmm. when, when you're, you're saying questions like that and, and it's, whole society has to change in some ways. But I'll tell you what, guys that are bringing fentanyl into Chester County and killing people, they belong in jail. And, and, and the thing is, you're right, it's not going to deter them. But sentencing isn't always only about deterrence. It's also about prevention. It's also about protection. Like if I can keep that drug dealer off the street for five years, it's going to be a little bit harder to get that stuff. Um, and you and I both know well, somebody I mean, will but, step in almost immediately, but right, we'll put but, that but, guy in jail but, too. But that, but that's my point though, right? So we, if we both, if everybody here knows that once we arrest one, two more are going to pop up, right? To suggest that when we we're just going to keep arresting, when we know the result is that they're going to keep popping up, and we expect that like the numbers will change or that we're making a difference. I don't think we're actually making a difference because all we're like, they're, they're just rotating. As soon as they get out, but, they go back because they, they still, they don't come out with more options. They come out with this felony drug, you know, deal like on where, but, where are they even supposed to go? But what is the alternative? Like, I mean, here's the thing. Well, that, that's you what make, I'm asking. You make it, you, you make it, a, you, as a businessman, and you're a businessman and, and I'm a businessman and we understand that we don't do things that aren't profitable, right? A cost of doing business, and I've represented a lot of drug dealers, part of the cost of doing business that they all know and understand is at certain points, they're going to go to jail. I have to make that as a part of my job so prohibitively expensive for them, at least in Chester County that they choose not to do their business here. Because let's be honest, it's not just drug dealing we're talking about. It's the violence that comes with drug dealing. It's the shootings. It's the the the, the stealing, the thefts. Um, you know, so the idea is how do you, do you just do what Philadelphia did and wash your hands of the whole thing and said, you guys sort it out? No, so, I think you have to make it not profitable for them. So my question to you then, I guess, is, is the way you kind of accomplish that by saying, listen, we're going to look at what Philly does and we're, we're going above that. Like this is, if, if this is, I don't want to do anything like, is that I don't want anything <laughs> to be like what Philly does with crime because Philly doesn't do anything with crime. But, but what Ooh. you're saying is again, I, I always, my, it sounds like my answers are simple, but it always goes back to listening and, and good defense attorneys doing good work. Like there is a difference between my guy who got hooked on drugs and is selling to support his habit with a guy who's moving real weight into the county. And sure. I think as prosecutors, we have to look at that. And, and are there situations where treatment is important? Do you know how long it takes to get a bed in treatment 
right now? Yes. I mean, yeah. the idea yeah. the idea is we have a problem that we're not looking to fix. And part of my job as a DA is making, like working as much as I can, lobbying, getting those beds available for people. Because you're right. You can't just lock everybody up. But there are people out there, believe it or not, that should not be out. They should be oh, in absolutely. jail and they should spend <laughs> a long time there. Oh, no. <laughs> absolutely. No, no, we absolutely. We can all agree on that. Yes. No, I, and, you know, Ryan, I could appreciate the answer. I think it's funny. I think a lot of our skepticism comes from our dealings with district attorneys all over, you know, this part of Pennsylvania where they're not doing what you're saying, right? Every drug no. dealer is the same, whether it's a weed brownie, whether it's two packets of heroin, whether it's 10, you know, 10 kilos of Coke, they're all just terrible people, which we know is not true, right? The college kid with two weed brownies that gave one to a, to a friend, right? That, that's that doesn't the same make sense. Correct. <laughs> so I can appreciate and, your answer. And I think that again, if you hire the right people and you train them the right way, you don't get that. And, and and that's my job. Like my job is to impress them on them. And and again, as Josh said, that the people with my t-shirt on, they need to be doing the right thing. And, and again, I think what we talked about earlier, like I have been on both sides of this equation. So I understand that there are times for compassion, but I also still have my steel toed boots from when I was a DA and I will squarely bury them in the personal parts <laughs> of people that are killing people. Understand. All right. So I think we're going to move on now to um, a couple news events, try to lighten up the mood. Uh, again, thank you, Ryan. That was great. So I think well, this the news, is important. the news is not going to lighten up the mood because yeah, it's, it's been it's, a it's going to do the actually not at all. it's going to oh, do think, the opposite of that, actually. All right. So strike that because you're right. Yeah, right? It's, this, read, is, read, this is actually just a in Chester topic. County, just in Chester County. There was a murder and two shootings last weekend. Uh, and, and additional carjackings. And, and the problem is, I think there's violence all around us. And if you look at the national news, um, that guy who shot that girl, I, I, I've gone through it. I've read the, the charges even. And I'm just like, how wrong is that situation entirely? I mean, the, the girls did nothing and got shot and it happened twice the the trespassers so, and the girls in the car yeah let's let's so let's lay it out it's interesting let's lay it out. that you bring that up ryan because that's exactly where i was going because i figured this would be we all thought this would be great to ask you right uh, the candidate for district attorney so um specifically ralph yarl the 16 year old all right that was shot um through his glass door by a homeowner at least as i understand the facts um went to the wrong house to pick up his brother um and was shot luckily he survived well i believe i know he's still in the hospital i believe or but either way he's, he's not, still alive right I now know. he's still alive right and then the other case um that you just brought up again the cheerleaders that accidentally pulled into the wrong driveway in new york um and one of them ended up being shot and dead um so and there were a couple others right um really similar fact patterns um people getting shot right so um, I want to lob this question up to you, right? Um, just knowing those two cases, what we know, the facts, and I think you already kind of tipped your hand, but how would your office handle something like that, right? Um, what you know look, right, and what you know I, what look, happened. I'm going to start by saying something. Um, that's an impossible question to answer. And, and the reason I say that is I don't know. I mean, I don't know until I know all the facts. I don't know until I know the officers involved. Uh, I believe that as much as I know, and, and again, I can't even say what I would, because I don't know everything about those cases. I mean, part of being a good prosecutor is getting all the information. 
And then when you see all the information and, and, and look, I don't believe newspapers give us all the information. In fact, I think it's a very <laughs> biased reporting. That being said, what I know of the one case that he didn't like trespassers and that's why he shot off a couple rounds at them. Um, that's it's a murder case. Like that's a murder case um, sure. with the young man who went up to the door. Like I don't, what I don't know and what I don't understand is what happened there to make him do that. Um, yeah. Or if there's ever a justification for that. Like, look, if somebody's knocking on my door with a baseball bat, I'm going to shoot him if I don't know him. But I don't think that's what happened in that case. So the idea yeah. is that's a murder. If you kill somebody, that's murder. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the only thing, like I said, I don't know. I get a lot of these types of questions and it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, if I'm the attorney in the room, I could tell you, and I knew all the information, I could tell you, look, if you shoot somebody and there's not a darn good reason, then, then that's murder. That's the definition of murder. Um, but I don't know. I, I, and I, and I think that that's the problem with us as a society right now is we rush to convict people. And, and, and again, as a defense attorney, I see this all the time. Um, the prosecutors release stuff into the media. Um, yeah. Twitter releases stuff into the media. I'm not trying my case for the first time when I go in front of the jury. It's already been tried in the, the court of public opinion. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that there's no way to, again, uh, JJ said this a, a few times, like there's no way to put that horse back in the barn. Like with yep. these cases, we're formulating opinions based on very limited information. Um, and, and that's by design. And I think that, that that is a problem across the system, not just with these big, important national cases, but every case we try. Um, and, and it's a shame. It really is because people are dying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it, it to me, it comes from a, a product of the fact that we consistently tell people or we say, you know what, I need to have a gun to protect myself everybody's walking around with a gun and it seems to me like they're ready to kill everybody but they don't even understand number one there are a lot of people who are applying to get guns who are just filling out the paperwork wrong going to jail for that then there are yep. people who are getting these guns who are carrying them don't know that they need a license to carry they're going to jail for that then there are people who are carrying these guns and even doing it legally but then they get into an argument, they lose control of their emotions, and now they're killing someone. Like, that is kind of what I think these two situations represent to me. People think that their Second Amendment rights reaches so long <laughs> that it, just having the gun itself is starting to become a problem. Too many people are exercising incorrectly or without knowledge, to me, is becoming a problem. A gun is a tool, and I know this will sound like a politician speak, and I generally stay away from the <laughs> national topics when I talk to people just because the idea is people are so inflamed right now in this country and they're so split. But um, I, I always start with a preface of a gun is a tool. If it's used Absolutely. legally and appropriately, it has purpose. Um, a knife is a tool. If it's mm -hmm. used appropriately and, and correctly, it has a purpose. Um I have seen a lot of people stabbed. Uh, it's not pretty. Uh, I've actually tried cases where there were stabbings. I've tried cases where there were shootings. I actually tried a case once where there was a domestic and the guy ran out to his car and tried to run over his wife. Um, mm -hmm. Any tool, if used improperly, is going to is, is deadly. 
I mean, frankly, you could hit somebody hard enough with a cast iron pan. I have one sitting on my grill right now that I use to fry things. If my <laughs> wife hit me over the head with that, I'd be done. But I mean, the idea I, I is mean, that like, we, we, sh- we know that, though, but like but we can't pretend that guns aren't their own category of killing people. Like, yes, anything can kill. We know that you could kill with your hands, but we I can can't kill more people. I can that, kill like, more people with a car than you can with a gun. So but but I, 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 I agree because I don't I'm also them, but that's not what the stats are <laughs> I, saying, though. I I think. There's a mental health problem in this country, um, and I don't know. And, and look. everything always comes back to racism. Um, But at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of mental health never gets addressed. Um, And I think you have a society right now that has gone so deep into social media and video games that people are just, they've lost that sense of compassion for their, their surrounding people. Um, Because Mm -hmm. if it's not on a phone, um, it's not something they see. So I, I think Again, I don't want to oversimplify it by saying a gun's a tool because we both know uh, you're right. You can kill people. It's designed to kill. Um, but the idea is if it's appropriately used and and all of the people you were telling me about, it wasn't appropriately used. And, and that's why I say I think there's correct. It's, it's a problem that's so big that I wouldn't even know as a local DA how to start to deal with it. But I know that you shouldn't take away somebody's constitutional rights just because somebody else abuses it. And that's that's the no, real I, hard and balancing that. And I agree. And what I, like, I just want to clarify real quick. I, I know you want to jump in, Dave, but I want to clarify that my point wasn't that we should take away people's rights. My point was more that, like, what do you think or what can you do as a district attorney to educate? Because I think that people kind of think that their Second Amendment rights stop once they buy the gun. But I think that, like, if we educated more people about it's not just the right to have it but how to like use it. I think more people would stop doing stupid things if they knew, you know what, maybe I don't go to the bar with the gun on my hip. I, I wholeheartedly disagree with you on that point um, because stupid people are going to do stupid things. And no matter how much training, no matter how much training you give them, you're always still going to have stupid people doing stupid things. What you have to do is you have to educate. Like, what the best thing of what you just said, it was educate. Um, gun, gun safety courses are important, but these people aren't having gun safety issues. They're having a fight with a friend and they go to their gun. So it's, it's an issue that's deeper than just educating people. But I think there are communities where, and again, I read it, there was an article about a U.S. Marine who started a program in Philadelphia, um, and it was a dispute resolution thing. And the whole idea was if he could get people to talk about stuff before they started shooting, like that's, that's what we need. Like we need, we don't need to take away guns from law-abiding citizens. We need to provide the people who are most likely to use them as weapons an outlet that gets them away from that. Like I, I, I love that guy's foundation. Uh, the whole idea of it is like, look, come talk to me. I'll broker a deal. You don't need to shoot it out on the playground. Um, What's his name? And, and again, I, shout I, out. I, one of the things that I see, uh, you see a lot when we were kids, when we were young, um, fighting wasn't a big deal. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, mm-hmm. I, I scrapped a few times in my life, right? Mm-hmm. But that's how you worked stuff out when you were young. And one of the things that I always say to people is there was rules. You never brought a weapon. And if your friends jumped in too early, then it was, you know, it was grounds for a whooping, right? But I, I mm-hmm. think those rules aren't there anymore. And again, it's because we go back to this idea that people don't live in the world. They live in this fantasy realm, um, whether on Facebook or t- uh 
boy, I just aged myself there a lot by saying Facebook, um, you know, whatever the flavor of the month is right now, they just live in that sure. world. And, and you have to be able to bring them into this world. And I think uh, guns are available and people, instead of like you and me, John, having a fist fight, you know, on the playground, cause you said something, people are coming back with three of their friends and putting two bullets in the guy. So, yep. you know, it, it, it is a break. There's a lot of structures that need it fixed. And again, I'm just a county district attorney. So sure. but a lot of the things I would like to do are programs along those lines where we're reaching out to the people who are at most at risk or we're trying to deflect these people or, or keep them out of the system. I have a, I work with a JPO, juvenile probation officer, and she's an amazing woman. And she says, mm -hmm. you know, all of these kids are getting convictions. She's like, how do we fix that? And, and, and the idea is we have to find ways to divert them. We have to get to them before they become criminals or before they make that bad decision. And that's what you say. When you say education, we need to be getting to these kids young. Mm -hmm. The yep. drug and dealers are. Exactly. And I mean, the part, yeah, the part that I, I think is most important is the educating on the actual law, too, and not even regarding guns. I'm a huge supporter of the Second Amendment. JJ knows that. We talk about this for hours and hours and hours at a time, right? I don't necessarily think it was a problem with the gun in this case it's the fact that you know most people that i've spoken to or i look at comments online it's that people literally think they could shoot somebody if they're walking on their property right they don't understand the nuance in the law that says you you have to be in reasonable fear and it's not just saying well i was afraid that like you said did the person have a baseball bat did they bring a gun right you know what was what got you to that reasonable spot where you were in fear and i but think let's even take it one step on further Let's take that one step further. Killing someone takes a special sort of mental, uh, I don't want to say disability because not necessarily, but they sure, often talk sure. about, they talk about people coming back from war who have had to kill people and how it just, it ruins their mind. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about how certain sure. war based video games. So I, I don't want to say a mental defect as in he has a defense, but the idea is something has to be wrong with that individual. And again, I don't want to I don't want to poo poo the idea of we have to educate people on the law, because, frankly, we should um, people mm -hmm. uh, that goes into a whole argument on the education system. Which again, <laughs> I'm just running for county D.A. But the idea is in that situation, like I, I think that the idea that if you had educated that guy on the law, he wouldn't have shot them is being a little bit too Pollyanna for me. I think that guy <laughs> has an issue. And I think, again, for public protection, he probably needs some spend some time away. Sure. I can, I can respect that. All right, Ryan, we're, we're going to have to have you back on. I hope you can come back on, man. Um, Anytime. I, the, I know it's the, the campaign. It's a long, I mean, the vote is in November. We're in April. We got a long way to go here. Um, I mean, but we could do an entire episode on guns. We could do an entire episode on, I mean, obviously, obviously you're uh, uh, an issue that hits very hard, that goes to your heart is narcotics um, and the flow well, of narcotics we into we the definitely county. Talk about the drugs because um, I'm scared, Josh. So we, I, I we think the thing I, is, I want no, Savannah I, to grow up in a safe community. I heard. That. I have I three kids, that. brother. I got three of them. I, know. I mean, I, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but we could do an entire episode on that. We could do an entire episode on um, you know changes that you would make. You know, in, in, inter changes that you would make to the office itself. So I, I really hope. Um, I really hope you can come back on. I hope you can find it in your schedule to come back on because um, oh, we've really enjoyed it. I know Dave and JJ have enjoyed it as Absolutely. well. I mean, it's just and it's a and it's a great platform for you to get out as well. To this is a great way for you to share your message to the voters. So um, yeah. 
As long as I'm not uh, in court or smoking brisket, I'm happy to come. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Maybe the next time we can do it from a, you know, a cigar lounge or something, but, um, we always do a sec. So we always, (laughs) we always do a segment at the very end where, uh, you know, cause we do the show on a Friday. So we always want to tell, we talk to the listeners about, you know, what are we doing this weekend? Um, I, my story always revolves around the fact that I'm a zookeeper with three kids at home under, you know, that are five and under, um, you know, JJ <laughs> gives us the breakdown of the perennial bachelor life and Dave gives us the breakdown of what it's like to be married, but not take the leap into the, into the, into the deep with, with children. So, um, <laughs> what, what, Tell the viewers what the Republican candidate for district attorney is doing this weekend in Chester County. Well, I will be attending three events this weekend um, to meet. And with I wanted to ask you about that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is uh, to, to go out and meet with voters. Um, when people know of events, let me know. I'm always happy to come out and talk to anybody, as you know. Uh, the uh, more exciting part yep. of that is I have a 16-pound pork butt that is dry. Uh, there we go. See, dry this is- marinating as we speak. So that, this is that what you don't, this is what you don't get on other podcasts all week. How long you don't does get take to cook? How long do you smoke? I run it. I run it low and slow uh, at the beginning, but once it hits the stall, I bump the temp a little bit. So if I get that thing mm-hmm. on by six in the morning, it should be ready by six in the evening ish. Okay. Okay. So about yeah. the briskets See, take a lot longer than the pork butts. Yeah, yeah. You don't get this information anywhere else. What you don't get no. this information about the Republican candidate grilling brisket. <laughs> Except on this podcast. Yeah, well, uh, I'll go because my anybody got are always uh, very similar, right? So starting Saturday, I'll probably do nothing. Um, I'll <laughs> I'll sit outside and I'll grill. Because um, as I've explained, Ryan, the weekends are solely my time, right? <laughs> and I need two full days to not be bothered, right? No phone calls. I don't. I can't think about much. Oh my God, I hate. I, I hate you. So need much. kids. You need nice. kids. Would, yeah, they would take care of that for you. No, no, no. No, I'm going to watch sports. I'm definitely going to put some bets in because that's what I love to do over the weekend. And then I'm going to wake up Monday and be back in court and get it rolling again. So that's going to be my weekend for sure. That sounds good. JJ, 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 what are you doing? doing? Keep it, keep it family, you know, keep it PG rated though. (laughs) I'm I'm always PG. Well, you know, yeah, come on. I'm tired of thinking about my weekend. Um, I'm going out tonight and then tomorrow, but this weekend, actually Lawrence killer brew, we are sponsoring some events. If you're in the Philadelphia area, uh, Lawrence killer brew, he is a comedian in Philadelphia fighting for justice is going to be sponsoring some of his events. He is having a celebrity basketball event on Sunday and on Tuesday, he's having a, a comedy show at helium club in Philadelphia. We are going to be sponsoring that. So, again, when Dave says he's just, you know, chilling on the weekend, here I am working, trying to do what we do. Listen, I'll be there on Philly. Tuesday. Oh, yeah, he's going to come for the comedy <laughs> event. <laughs> good, exactly. good. That's, it's not that's the weekend. Good, though. That's, that's good, though, guys. Make sure you all remember uh, these events that we're going to be throwing in the city. Uh, come out, support. Let us know what you guys need, uh, what information you guys uh, need from us so we can help you get that information and and we can get more people like Ryan Hyde on. So, Ryan, we appreciate your time. Thank you. What are you going to uh, skip over Josh? Take it from there. Josh no, I, was just, gonna... I was saying I was saying my <laughs> goodbye because I knew Josh was going to like take it. At the I end always like to hear what he's going to do. 
Why you always got to yeah. cut me off, man? Let me flow. Let me flow. So okay. let me first say, I'll let me first show. say, let me first say, the Mar- so last weekend, uh, last Sunday, in fact, we got up at 10 o'clock. Well, I mean, we were up way before, like four hours before that. But we went to the 10 o'clock showing <laughs> of the Mario movie. Uh, and it was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. So that is my strong recommendation. Anybody with kids or without, like I would have enjoyed it if my three kids or my kids weren't there screaming the entire time. I still would have, I would have enjoyed it with or without that. So that needs to be, that's the top on everybody's. Yeah. That's the top on everybody's list this weekend. I mean, you know, birthday, we got a birthday party. That's at some jumping place where I'm going to have to go and, and run around and not get hit with dodgeballs again for the second weekend in a row. I, was I have to just do that. Say, are you yeah. sure you're not confusing it, last week? No, d- dude, That's they have insane. a, when they're in, when they're in school, Ryan knows this, when they're in school, they have a birthday party, like every weekend, every weekend, <laughs> because there's like 20 kids in their class and they have to invite everybody, right? You can't like, you can't, oh, wow. you know, only invite a couple yeah, kids, and, that, and they, because right because they're kindergartners, because the other kids would then would cry to their yeah. parents or cry that they didn't get invited. So how was the last one? Yeah. So that was last week. The, so last weekend, we, yeah, we. I th- it's it's funny too. The parents, it, all the birthday parties rotate between like two places. One is a one is a trampoline park that mm-hmm. again they, they can just run around and go, and go nuts for for an hour in the trampoline park, and the other one is like this video arcade. Um, I personally like the trampoline park because it it. like they're dead after that. Like you don't like you get a couple hours (laughs) off because they're so tired. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, other than that, it'll be, you know, making, playing defense in my house and just making sure everything, um, you know, there, nothing catches on fire. Nobody drowns. Nobody falls off the, you know, Ryan knows it's just safe. Did you get the socks and get on the trampoline or were you just like in the background yelling? Oh no, dude, I get the socks and I run. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm out there. (laughs) You got to go. I'm a fool. You're going, man. You got to go. I'm a fool. Yeah, dude. I, I grab the balls. I throw the ball. I try to peg him with the head with balls. Like it's (laughs) yeah. Oh, where's the video of this stuff? Get your, come on dog. You got to bring that. We need video video Uh, here. We need video next time. Are you jumping around? Yeah, no, we'll get it too because one kid last week, real quick, one kid last week like hit my daughter in the head with a ball. Like one of these older kids that shouldn't have been playing. He was probably like ten. She's six, right? And they have like this little dodgeball like run around where they can throw do- and like. So I had to get involved at that point. <laughs> All right, good, oh, good, good, good. Yeah, about to need you. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I fired I fired one dog. back. I fired one back. What are you gonna do? I fired a ball right back at his face. That's, that's Agassault on the kid. <laughs> If you, yeah, that is Agasol. No, uh, no, I'm gonna leave. He got he. No, yeah. he got it. All right, we're All off right, the rails. Guys. No, we're good. Thank you very much, Ryan. That was. Hey, awesome. thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Fight, 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 f